joy to the world. The Christmas carol, Joy to the World, is among the top ten most popular Christmas carols of all time. And it says that it's the most published Christmas carol of all time in North America. The lyrics of Joy to the World were written by the great hymn writer Isaac Watts in 1719, based on Psalm 98. Now, interestingly, he didn't write Joy to the World as a Christmas song originally. Instead, the second coming of Jesus Christ was the theme that he had in mind, and he intended the song to then be sung year-round as we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. And then some 120 years later, after Isaac Watts wrote the words for Joy to the World, the well-known composer of the time, Lowell Mason, in 1839, he joined the words to music which is believed to have originally been composed by Handel, and it's this form of the song that we now sing today as a Christmas carol, Joy to the World. The song, Joy to the World, it has become deeply connected with the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, the first coming of Jesus, Christmas. Knowing, though, the writer's original intention for the song, we can sing it any time of year. We celebrate the coming of the Christ in the manger, and we look forward to the joyful, with joyful anticipation to the coming of the Christ in the clouds. So the song, Joy to the World, it works for both. Now, I mentioned that Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World based on Psalm 98. And we have been in the midst of a series of Bible studies that we have called a study of some psalms. Well, today we're going to look at this psalm, Psalm 98, as a Christmas meditation. This is a psalm of joyful praise which portrays the Lord as the great conquering king who has won salvation for his people. For us as Christians, Jesus Christ, is there something? Okay. For us as Christians, Jesus Christ is our King who has won salvation for us. And this is how we're going to look at this psalm as we go through it today. So if you have your Bible, flip over to Psalm 98. Psalm 98. And we'll begin reading in the very first verse. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He's remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Let's go back up to verse 1. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. The Lord has done many marvelous things for His people throughout history, but the most marvelous thing that He has ever done is what He has done for us through Jesus Christ. God the Son was born a human being for us, died as a sin sacrifice for us, came back to life for us, lives forever interceding for us, and is coming back for us. Now, this idea of singing a new song to the Lord, it's not simply about composing a new song, but it's about a fresh breath of inspiration and praise to God. 
He has done a new thing, a marvelous thing that inspires a new song. This marvelous thing that he's done, it requires a new song. The old songs can't express it adequately. This is not a repeat of things that were done in the past. It's an altogether new thing. It says, His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord's right hand and His holy arm are expressions of the Lord's activity in our world. The right hand is the hand of power, of authority. It's the place of honor. You might remember in Hebrews 1.3, it tells us that after Jesus had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In Isaiah 52.10 and 53.1, the Messiah, the Christ, is called the holy arm of the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord's right hand and His holy arm. There's an interesting signpost in the word translated salvation that we find in verses 1, 2, and 3 of this psalm, which also points us to Jesus Christ. Do you remember what the name Jesus means? Jesus is the English version version of the Greek name Jesus, which comes from the Hebrew name Yeshua, which we pronounce in English most often as Joshua. The name Yeshua, or Jesus, it means Yahweh saves, or the Lord is salvation, or Savior. Before Jesus was born, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and to Mary, and told them to give the name of the child, or the, to give the child the name Jesus. You remember? Savior, salvation, Yahweh saves, Yeshua, because he would save his people from their sins, it said. The Hebrew word translated into English as salvation in verses 1, 2, and 3 of Psalm 98 here is the Hebrew word. Yeshua, which is a variation of the name Jesus. Jesus is the Lord's salvation for his people. So pulling these observations together, the phrase, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him, it takes on a much richer meaning for us. Jesus Christ, who sits at God's right hand, who is known as the Lord's holy arm, whose very name is salvation, has accomplished salvation For the Lord's people. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Verse 2 says, The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. He has remembered His love and His faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. The Lord has made His salvation known, and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. We noted up in verse 1 that the holy arm of the Lord is the Messiah, the Christ, our Jesus. Well, here's one of those references that I mentioned at that time. It has relevance now for us in these verses too. Isaiah 52.10, it says, The Lord will lay bare His holy arm in the sight of all the nations, And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Before the whole world, the Son of God, the Christ, was humiliated in every imaginable way. 
He was mocked, beaten, spit on, whipped within an inch of death, nailed to a cross of wood and raised up so everyone could watch him suffer and die. Jesus, the holy arm of the Lord, was laid bare in the sight of all the nations. And in the most unexpected turn of events, what was thought to have been God's ultimate defeat by sin-inspired humanity and the devil, the suffering and dying of the Son of God was actually the Lord's triumph over our greatest enemies, sin, death, and the devil. He won salvation for us through the humiliation and the death of the cross. Colossians 2.13, it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ, He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What what had been intended as a public spectacle of the Christ's defeat was flipped on its head and became a public spectacle of the defeat of our greatest enemies by the Christ. And so in glory, before the whole world, the Son of God, the Lord's salvation, is going to also return. Revelation 1.7, it says, Look, He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of Him. So shall it be. Amen. The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. Salvation and righteousness go together. They're interconnected. Salvation involves our rescue and restoration from our broken lives and our broken world. Salvation involves putting right what is wrong, the restoring of the Lord's righteousness in our lives and in this world. What broke our life and our world? What continues to break our life and our world? It's the turning away from God's right way, from God's righteousness. Sin. It says he's remembered his love and his faithfulness in verse 3. The Lord made a promise to the human race when we first broke our lives and our world. Genesis 3.15 is called the Proto-Evangelium, or the first gospel, because the Lord gave us a promise in the midst of the great fall of humanity that He would rescue us one day, that He would bring His salvation and redeem what we have lost. The Lord renewed that promise to us again and again through His prophets in the Old Testament. The Lord remembered the promise He made, and He has kept it. The fulfillment of His promise to us is His Son, Jesus Christ, the Christ, who came into our world and earned salvation for us through the giving of His life. What motivated God to give His Son to save us? His love and His faithfulness. John 3.16, familiar verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Joy to the world. 
The Lord has come. Verse 4 of the Psalm 98, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Who's told here to shout for joy, to burst into jubilant song, to make music to the Lord? All the earth, everyone and everything. It's easy for us to let our attention be taken up with all the stuff that's wrong in our life and this world and forget that we have reason to shout for joy. Collectively, unless you've been living in an isolation chamber cut off from all media and news for the past many months, then you know about the stuff that has made this year one of the ones that people are very eager to forget. People can't wait to put 2020 in their rearview mirror. On a personal level, I don't know what's going on in your life. Things may be really awful for you, maybe unbearable. The losses that you may have endured, the pain and the suffering, the hardships. I don't mean to minimize any of the stuff that any of us are going through or have gone through. But I want to remind us that we have reason to be joyful even in the midst of the worst that this world is throwing at us. Christian, our salvation is reason enough to shout for joy no matter what else is happening in our life. Our sin has been forgiven. Our guilt before God has been taken away. We have been given a new life with a new nature like Jesus which is growing in us. We have a future with the Lord to look forward to. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That was written by a guy who was sitting in a dark, damp, first century Roman dungeon at the time. Joy to the Lord. The Lord has come. Verse 7 of Psalm 98, it says, Let the sea resound in everything in it the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. This whole world has been affected by the fall of humanity. Our sin has had a catastrophic impact on this whole planet. We broke this world and we keep breaking this world. And so we're told in Romans 8, 19 through 22 that all of nature is looking forward to the completion of our salvation because it too will be saved in that moment and brought into the glory of the new heaven and earth created by Jesus. Derek Kidner calls verses 7 through 9 of Psalm 98 the chorus of nature. The chorus of nature. The whole of nature is pictured and rejoicing, singing a song of joy to the Lord for the salvation that He has brought. The sea resounds, it roars, it thunders. 
the rolling and the crashing of the waves of the ocean are its voice singing joy to the Lord. Everything in it, all of the millions of beautiful and amazing creatures that fill the ocean sing for joy. The world and all who live in it, everything living on this planet rejoices. It says the rivers clap their hands. The mountains sing together for joy. Can you imagine it? Can you picture it? The chorus of nature, the whole creation rejoicing together before the Lord because of His salvation. Do you remember the scene in the Gospels of what has come to be called Palm Sunday? As Jesus was riding into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey colt, it said the people lined the streets, putting their cloaks and palm branches down in the road, creating a special path for him to travel on into the city, like rolling out the red carpet for him. And the people, they were shouting, Hosanna, which means save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the religious leaders, you might remember, they told Jesus at the time to make the people stop saying that. But Jesus said to them, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The irrepressible, uncontainable, unstoppable praising of the Lord for His salvation. The very rocks will cry out, Hosanna! It reminds me of the story of the land of Narnia in the book by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You might remember, it was perpetual winter in Narnia, cold and joyless, always winter but never Christmas, it said. But when Oslin, the Jesus of that land, died in the place of the son of Adam, the curse on the land was broken. Oslin rose from the dead, and the salvation that he accomplished changed everything. The ice melted, the flowers bloomed, the rivers flowed, the mountains turned green. Celebration filled the land, the rivers clapped their hands, the mountains sang, the oceans roared. It was Christmas! Joy to the world, the Lord has come. So, we find ourselves... Luke 2.8 And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His, Savior, on, on whom his favor rests. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth Receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven. 
and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Sing to the Lord a new song for He has done marvelous things. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the marvelous thing you have done for us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, our Messiah, the one who has rescued and redeemed us by his own life. I pray, God, that you would fill us this Christmas season with joy as we remember what you have done for us, that you have won salvation for us. Fill us with the joy of that reality, Lord. Give us a new song. In Jesus' name, amen.